I'm going to bring you some announcements now. There's just a couple of announcements to bring. We're having prayer meetings this week and we're going to do them online. So we've got Zoom prayer meetings happening. The one that it's Sunday night, Wednesday night and Saturday night. So tonight's prayer meeting is at 6.30, Wednesday 7.30, Saturday 6.30. So I've sent emails out to everyone that we have names of in the church whose emails, details I have. Um, so if you haven't received an email, you'd like to take part in those prayer meetings, please just get in contact with us and we'll be happy to send you an email which you can use to link and um, come onto the Zoom prayer meeting and join us all, which would be wonderful. We're going to pray for breakthrough in the nation. We're going to pray for breakthrough in the church and in the lives of people as we all pray together. I want to thank you for giving, always staying so faithful with your giving. Whatever's going on in the world, we trust our Lord, don't we? We trust our Lord and we give him thanks through our giving. So you can see on the screen now ways that you can give. Um, so I just want to say thank you for being so faithful, church. You are amazing. And if you want to get in touch with us, we'd be happy to be in touch with anyone. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. We'd love to talk to you about why we um, serve him, why we believe in salvation. Um, we'd love to talk to you about anything. So you can see on the screen now ways that you can connect with us, ways that you can see information about the church. And uh, we would love to connect with you. That would be our pleasure. So that's the announcements for today. I'd like to invite Pastor Jim now to come and share the word. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Church is almost bursting here. We believe it by faith. If we could have some uh, lights in the house, that would be good. So I can see you all very bright. Oh, there you all are. Wonderful to have you this morning. So let's pray as we come to God's Word and believe for a revelation of the Spirit of God, an impartation. Let's see Jesus lifted up. Amen. Lord, we come to you this morning and we acknowledge that that is who you are, Lord. And we humbly come and we ask God that you would move amongst us. Those people are here and those online, Lord, that your spirit would speak to us. We want a revelation of Jesus. We wanted to be inspired to do everything that you've called us to do. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, we are doing a series called Reset for the month of January. And this morning, I'm going to speak to you about Reset in prayer. The word reset simply means this, to set again, to adjust, and to fix. To set again, to adjust, and to fix. And the basis of last week's message was, we looked at the life of Josiah. And Josiah, who became king when he was eight years old, which was an incredible situation for any eight-year-old to be in charge of anything at any time, let alone a nation, at the age of 26, he could see that the temple of God was broken down and there was, there was a gap that was created in the nation because they were worshipping idols, they were worshipping Baal, they were worshipping Asherah. And something happened in Josiah's heart where he wanted to see a change. The scripture records that Josiah, there was no king like him before and there was no king like him after, which is a great testimony. But as a young man, 26, he, he kind of like sensed that the temple was in in a broken state and the presence of God had left. The temple held the presence of God and there was a need to reset. And he wanted to restore that which had been lost. 
And so I, I drew a parallel to the temple of God then and the temple of God now, because we are the temple of God. We hold the presence of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And Josiah went through a process of resetting what was taking place within the temple to restore that which had been lost. And he did that firstly by coming to God and realizing that there was a need for repentance. So this is what Josiah did, which is just a capture of those chapters. Josiah determined to reset by restoring that which had been lost by his heart. And he did that through repentance, renewing his pledge to obey and to uh, resolve to restore his heart through repentance, renewing his pledge to obey the Lord and restoring that which was lost. Restoring that which was lost. And he did that firstly by addressing the issue of what had been lost in his heart that he, he felt was just gone, the presence of God. You see, the heart is, is the seat of our life. This is what Proverbs 4.23 says in the New Living Translation. We have to guard our heart because it determines the course of our life. Guard our heart. The issues of life come out of our heart. Our heart thinks. Our heart can be broken. Our heart can be grieved. We can be lost in heart. But out of our heart, it determines the course. And we have to set again, reset, adjust, change the situation where we're in. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about reset our prayer life. We need to reset our prayer life. And over the next four weeks, today and the, next, the following three weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about what I call the three eternals, which is faith, hope, and love. Resetting prayer, resetting faith, resetting hope, and resetting love. So I've created an acronym for RESET to help us kind of like remember what is the process. And that is this. RESET stands for remember. Every situation enables transformation. Whatever your situation is, you can bring transformation in that. If you reset, reset your heart. It's vitally important. And that's why we're doing prayer meetings throughout this week. And I'm believing for uh, a change in a situation as we press into God and not just hold back anymore. Reset prayer. I'm believing for the restoration of families. I'm believing for the healing. I'm believing for people to come to the Lord. I'm believing for answers to prayer. I'm believing for an impartation of the Holy Spirit in your life. And can I encourage you, attend those Zoom prayer meetings together and let's press in and see the blessing of God. So let's talk about prayer. Reset prayer. If there is one area in life that I have found uh, in the past for me, it's that area of prayer. It's a challenge prayer. It can be an absolute challenge. And for years and years and years, I struggled with praying. But not just a prayer to God, but consistent prayer. Prayer that is regular, prayer that is daily, prayer that is continual. And I can honestly say for the last few years, probably last several years, my prayer life has changed because I have adopted practices in my prayer. And it's, it's, it's not a boast, it's just a fact. Because consistent prayer changes the situation. Elijah himself, he prayed seven times 
the great man of God, the one that came and visited Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses was Elijah. And Elijah prayed seven times to see rain. He was consistent. He kept pressing in. He wanted to see the situation change. And I believe that we can do that. Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. When you pray, it's important that we come to him and pray. Christ is the foundation of our life. Christ is the foundation of our salvation. And you know that prayer is one of the things that we build on that foundation to have our life increase in our relationship with God and with other people. Prayer moves us closer to God. It moves us further away from sin. I know when my prayer life is at the strongest, the, the, the temptations of the world or those challenges that we have, they seem to fall away. So prayer. Prayer changes lives. Prayer changes your life. Change my life. If someone had not prayed for you, you would not be sitting here or you would not be online today. That's the honest fact. Someone prayed. And it's so important that we pray. My testimony of my salvation is really based on prayer. My dad got incredibly saved. His life transformed. I was there the night he got saved. He got born again. And his face literally went from darkness to light. His life changed. And I could see that. And my dad got so on fire that he began to share his faith with me every opportunity that he had. And he, he would say this to me as I came to the breakfast table, Jesus loves you. And then I would go for a shower and he would, he would shout out, God's got a plan for your life. And I come back through, the, through the, uh, the kitchen to go into my room and he says, you know that God has amazing things in, in stored for those who love him. And after nine months of continual shouting out to me about Jesus, I just couldn't take it anymore. It was just continual, folks. And I said to my mum, I said, if dad does not stop preaching about Jesus, I'm leaving home. I was 19, uh, 18 years old. I had a job. I just couldn't take it anymore. We, we never went to church in our home before. And he was going to church every day. We never prayed. We never said grace. And things would just change. And it was constant, constant, constant preaching to an 18-year-old kid who was in a band playing in pubs and doing whatever he wanted to do. And I just said, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to leave home if he doesn't stop preaching at me. It was kind of like a half type of bluff, knowing that mum would go and tell dad and dad would stop. And do you know what? He did. He stopped. And it was like, oh, finally, he stopped preaching about Jesus. But you know what that little darling did? He went and he got up an hour early every morning and prayed for me. Every morning, consistently. And I stopped hearing about Jesus. But then Jesus started to hear about me. And things started to change. My heart began to soften. He never preached anymore. And these little situations would happen that have never happened before. I would bump into people who were Christians. 
not like going to church Christians, but Christian Christians, you know, the born-again, spirit-filled Christians. And they would tell me their testimony, and I'm going, I thought I, I, thought I was going to escape this. But what was happening is because he stopped preaching Jesus to me and started praying to Jesus for me, there was a drawing. No man can come to the Father except he was drawn. And I was being drawn to God. And three months later, after he got up every morning, an hour before he went to work, he was a rigger on a building. I gave my life to Jesus. He was praying, Holy Spirit, bring conviction on his life. Bring judgment, the reality. I am a direct result of prayer. Consistent prayer. Can I encourage you? Keep praying for your spouse. Keep praying for your kids. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray for those that you work with. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for the country. Because I'm telling you, it is the only thing that's going to change the situation. We need to reset and see prayer for what it is. One of the most important connections that we can have with God. Remember, every situation enables transformation, particularly with prayer. You know, it gets hot in the kitchen before the meal. It gets hot in the kitchen before the meal's delivered. And sometimes when you're waiting for the breakthrough to come, it gets really hot. It gets almost unbearable. But then, at that moment, something happens. God intervenes and he opens a heart and lives are changed. Don't quit praying. Hang in there. Hang in there. We will reap a harvest, Galatians 6 verse 9 says, if we don't faint, if we don't give up. Hang in. You watching online, believing for life to change for you. Don't quit. Keep pressing in. God is wanting you to pray about this situation. And here's what I found about prayer that's helped me to develop and to have a consistent prayer life, to have a habit, not that's dreary and pulls me down, but just these three things that will help you in your prayer life. It's what I have found. It might not work for you, but I thought I might just share it. Because after, you know, a few years of doing this, I know that I have locked it in. And it is now part of my life that when I don't do it, there is something missing. The first thing is this, to create a, a consistent prayer life that will help you. The first thing is time. A time. Here's what I found. You need a specific time. It sounds simple, but it's important. Time you can count on. That sounds weird, but it's time that you can count on. The best time is the right time. And the right time for me is in the morning. I know if I leave it to the end of the day or during the day, oh, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray for the family, I'm going to pray for the nation, I'm going to pray for the missionary, it just gets lost in the day. It just goes. It disappears. Do you know that Je when Jesus prayed? Jesus prayed in the morning. He also prayed at night. He probably also prayed at the supper time. Jesus was continually about prayer. There are 38 references in the Gospels about when Jesus prayed. He prayed all the time. He made an effort to pray. You need to find the best time for you one that is a consistent time. And if you do, great. If it's before bed, great. If you do it at lunchtime at work, great. But please pick a time. 
write it in the diary if you have to. Consciously think this time, whether it's 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., is the time of prayer. It doesn't matter when or what time, sorry, it doesn't matter what time you pray, it's important that you pray. Lock it in, write it down. I want you to consciously think right now. We're just going to stop for maybe a few seconds. And I want you to think, when is the best time for you? When's the best time? Is it in the morning? Is it before you go to sleep? Is it at work? The best time with no distractions. You need a time. Second thing you need is a place. A place to pray. So in the morning, this is my routine. I wake up, which is always a good thing. means I'm still here. I wake up. I go and make myself a cup of coffee. I go and sit in a chair, a certain chair. And as I sit in that chair, the first thing I do is I post on our church prayer page the reading for today. First thing that I do, and then I do my reading, and I might make a few notes on my Bible, and then I set out to pray. It's my praying chair. It's my reading chair. It's a certain place in a room that I go to, and the door is closed. That means there's not going to be any distractions. Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. That's what, oh my goodness, I just realized something. Jesus went up to a mountain. I'm going to a chair. Does that mean that I have to go to Mount Kutha to pray? Does that, does that mean I'm kind of like lost it? My prayers don't count for anything? It's not about where it's a place for you. Jesus wanted to get away from the crowds. He went to the mountain. You go to wherever is the good place for you. A time in the morning and a place where you can pray. Maybe you want to pray on the bus. That's cool. On the train. Or at work at lunchtime. But find a place of prayer. I mean, we can go out and walk. Make that the time of prayer. That place. John and Charles Wesley's mother, Susan, had 11 kids. John and Charles Wesley probably had the greatest impact on the Protestant church, probably to the same level as Luther, about bringing the revelation, justification by faith. Eleven children, but she had a place of prayer that all eleven children knew about. This is what she would do. Doesn't matter where she was. She had a time that she would do it. She would stand, and her place was this. She would get her apron, and she would put it over her head. That was her place. And all 11 children knew, when mama is in that place, do not disturb. They would all just stop. Imagine that. That was her place, under the apron, and she would pray. And she, she birthed into the church incredible men and women of God that had a great influence. Now, if you're traveling on the train or going to work on the bus, don't put an apron on your head because it might just freak a few people out. But there's a place that you need to find for yourself. A place where you can go and connect with God. So you need a time, consistent time. You need a place that you can go. And thirdly, you need a notebook. Why a notebook? 
Because I write down everyone's name in the church. I physically write it down. And I write it down. Why? Because I can't remember everyone's name. You know, the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. You need to write it down. So this is what I do. I pray for the church first. I have it written down. I pray that that God would give you a revelation of Jesus. And I pray that God would help you to be the revelation of Jesus in your work. That's the first thing. Then I pray for the person who needs prayer the most. And that's paving. Why? Because she has to put up with me. She needs it the most. And then I pray for my kids. I pray for Alex and Emma. I pray for Shane and Jackie. And then I pray for you. And I call your name out. And on my book, I touch them sometimes. And as I'm praying, and I might feel that I need to stop and pray for a certain person, I pray over that person even more. And I pray for all of you, for you and for your kids. And then I pray for our prime minister, that God will give him wisdom and knowledge. And I pray for our, and actually I pray for his wife, Jenny. And I pray for their two kids, Lily and Abby, because they need it. They need our prayers. I pray for our premier. I pray for our Lord Mayor. I pray for the politicians over this area. And then I pray for our missionaries. And I pray for our friends. You need to write it down because you will not remember. Take the time. Get a time, get a place, get a notebook. The shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. So here are some actions that you can include in your prayer. And I'm just picking the letter out of the word prayer, P-R-A-Y-E and R, to help you to remember as you're praying. We made some prayer cards believing that you were all going to be here this morning, so we have them waiting here for you. And on it it says, reset prayer. Remember every situation enables transformation. And then three things that will help you, a time, a place, and a notebook. Because we need to be reminded. And here's the first one. The first thing that we need to do that I have found, it might not work for you, but you need to have a system. You know, God created a system. He created a system of day and night, seasons. We need a system to help us. And the first thing that we need to do as an action is praise. We need to praise God. Look at this scripture. Praise the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Just praise Him. Begin to thank Him for what He's done. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Do you have breath? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving me breath. Thank you for my family. I praise you, God, because you brought them into my, to, into my life. It helps us to remember to be grateful to God. We should enter His uh, courts with thanksgiving in our heart and enter His gates and his, uh, with praise. Go to the place of prayer with praise. Have you ever met someone, say you're going to meet up with someone, and say, like, you know, oh, Paul, let's, uh, let's get together, have a cup of coffee down the road, and we get there and Paul goes, oh, great, you're here. Yeah, I've been waiting for this all day. And he's so mopey and miserable. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to meet with him. And, and it's just like, mm, yeah, let's just have the coffee, then go. Can you imagine coming to the God of creation and going, well, God, I'm here, um, got some prayer requests. Mm. How receptive do you think God would be? 
Seriously. I can imagine God in heaven going, oh no, here comes that Pastor Jim again. Gabriel, you take him. I had him yesterday and the day before, and he's just as miserable as sin. But I saved him from sin. And you go, oh, God wouldn't do that. Do you know that God got ticked off with the Israelites a couple of times, if you read it? Scripture says this, Psalm 5, verse 3. It says this, uh, sorry, Psalm 22, verse 3. God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. Can I just change that and flip it? God uninhabits the, you know, the miserableness of his people. Now, uninhabits is not a word, I know that, but it makes sense in this context. God gets out of the deal if you come to him with just being miserable. Why? Because he's God. Why would, why would you want to connect with someone? God wants to connect with Enter his courts with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his gates with praise. Some people are so ungrateful even when they've received salvation. And it's free. Free. It didn't cost you, but it cost God, his son. It wasn't free for him, but it's free for us. When you enter into that time of prayer, praise. The second thing is repent. Repenting. Acts 3 verse 19 says, And now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Keep your relationship with God right. Just confess your sin, known and unknown. God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for doing things I didn't even know they were wrong. Forgive me, God. You know, people say keep short accounts with God. Keep no accounts with God. Confess your sin. Get it out of the way. Micah 7 verse 19 says this. I just love this. It says, He takes compassion on us, tramples our sin under His feet, and throws them in the depths of the ocean. When you confess your sin, He gets it, He tramples on it, He picks it up, and He throws it in the depths of the ocean. And then He goes, gone. Gone. Completed. Confess your sin. He doesn't forget our sin until we confess our sin. So we have to move into that. The problem is we remind ourselves of our sin. I don't know if you've ever done that. That's not a great thing to do. Or other people remind us of our sin. I can remember 40 years ago when I first got, just before I got saved, the pastor that my dad was going to, the church where my dad was going to, the pastor rang up. And I picked up the phone and I said something that a non-Christian would say that was very unpleasant and quite rude. And he, the guy, after I said this phrase, I won't say it because it's, it's not pleasant, he said, oh, it's the pastor of the church. Can I speak to Jimmy? And I went, oh. I said, Dad, uh, pastor's on, the pastor of the church is on the line. My dad was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Do you know, until that pastor passed away, he reminded me of my sin when we met. 40 years ago, and I still think about that now. 40 years ago, God has forgotten all about it. He tramples it under his feet and he throws it in the depths of the ocean. Praise God. 
And if God can do that, then we should do that and other people should do that. God, I'm sorry, but I want a right relationship with you. Sin separates us from God. But you know, confession brings us closer to God. We should be quick to confess and repent. So we praise him and then we repent and then we ask. Asking him. James chapter 4 verse 3. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Your motive is all wrong. God, can I have a, a Hurricane Evo Spider Lamborghini? Because I want to be able to connect with all those people who are lost driving Lamborghinis. What is my motive? My motive is to drive a Lamborghini. I thought about this and I thought, God would say, okay, I will give you that, that Lamborghini if you can spell Lamborghini. And I thought, how do you spell Lamborghini? Is there a U in Lamborghini? L-A-M-B-O-U. Oh, oh, God says, sorry, there's no U in Lamborghini. Lost. God knows the motive of our heart. Why do we try and kind of like manipulate God to do what we want when our motive is not right? Do you know that he is God and he knows? Has that ever occurred to you? That God knows what we're asked? We think that we can kind of like, you know, massage this prayer thing through. But he knows. We have to be smarter than that because God is smarter than that. He knows we have to have the right motive. An asking motive that is pure. Our motive should be the same as his motive. What do you think his motive is? He wants all to come to a saving knowledge of him. He wants... He wants his name lifted up. He wants people to be made whole. That's the motive that we should be asking and praying for, not for our own selfish gains. So we praise, we repent, we ask, and then we yield, yielding unto God. Matthew 26, verse 39, it says this, He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup, of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus yielded to the will of the Father. You need to yield your will to the Father. If God knows everything, and I don't, which is a pretty fair statement, and I've committed to my life to Him myself, my, as my Saviour and Lord, then I need to be able to yield my will to Him. And I can be confident in yielding my will to him. Because he's God. And he's looking out after me and for me. But you know, it's tough sometimes to yield our will. Because we think that this should happen. And now I need to make sure that I am yielding to him. And I have to run it through the word of God. When he asks me to give something to him. To see if it's in line with God's will so that I can know that it is God. I need confirmation and maybe the conviction of the Holy Spirit that this is what you should do. So I praise, I repent, and I ask and I yield. But then I expect. I'm expecting. 
Psalm 5 verse 3. It's a great verse. It says, God, listen to my voice in the morning. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly, having a confident expectation that God is going to bring those things into your life. And do you know what a confident expectation is? It's called hope. And hope does not disappoint us. And in a couple of weeks, Pastor Randall is going to be speaking on reset hope. And lastly, rejoicing. Psalm 33 verse 21. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. You know, it says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Take the time to thank him and praise him. Repenting and asking and yielding, expecting and rejoice that you have a father in heaven who hears you. The God who created all things, you can come to him and ask anything according to his will and he will do it for you without doubt. Remember, every situation enables transformation. Find those three things, a time, a place, and get a notebook and praise, repent, ask, yield, expect, and then rejoice because God is good. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning and online being with us this morning? I want you to make a commitment to consistent prayer. Not just prayer when it's a desperate situation. Goodness me, that's not enough. We want to pray consistently because prayer changes things. You are a result of prayer. And the people out there need you praying for them. Your family needs you. Your nation needs you praying for it. So the challenge for you this morning is, God, I'm going to be consistent in prayer. I'm going to take that reset of prayer in my life. I'm going to find a time and a place and a notebook. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. And at just at the beginning of the year, this second week, oh God, that we reset, we remember every situation enables transformation. And we want to see transformation through prayer. God, I pray that we would be encouraged and inspired to do what you've called us to do, to pray without ceasing and to see lives dramatically changed. And all glory to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for joining us here this morning and thanks for joining us online. We pray God's richest blessing to you and we will keep you informed whether we are meeting together or we're going online. And I know that, uh, you know, things change daily here at the moment, but we know that Jesus is Lord and he is still in control. Amen. Good morning. God bless you. Have a great week and we'll connect with you then.